is being at the same place with you during the uh, Bible conferences. And, um, and even that has been a joy. Just hearing you worship, um, I, I really believe, and I've heard others say this about you as well, uh, I think the way people sing is a gauge sometimes of, of their hearts. You know, you look at Ephesians 5:18, and it talks about being filled with the Spirit. One of those, one of those indications of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And it's great to hear you sing. I've been to churches where people just kind of mumble, and you know, and you guys sing, and it's it's a blessing to hear that. This morning, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter four. Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's, as you do that, let me ask you a question. I, I like interaction, so you all are allowed to talk back. Um, talk back to me. I, I, I would prefer that. And, and part of that is, let me start by asking you all a question. How many of you in here remember when you were a, a, a younger kid, hopefully it doesn't happen anymore, but when you were a younger kid, getting a lecture from your parents before you went into, say, anywhere? Right? They sit in the car, and, and maybe some of you, I don't know, are there any parents here? Everybody's really young. Okay, there you go, Bob's parent. You, I'm sure you may have given the lecture, but before you go into the store, before you go into anywhere, you lean back, cross the chair, and you just gently remind and are reminded, okay, we're going inside. I don't want you running all over the place. I don't want you going. Yeah, I, when I was a kid and we used to go somewhere, I used to hide in the clothes racks. Do you remember that? Oh, that was the best. You just have a little fort in there, and you'd you know, go from one place to another, and hide from your mom because she couldn't find you, and she'd go running through the... But do you remember those lectures? Did you guys get those? Did some of you get those? Anybody? None of you? So, okay, there's one guy in the back. There's one guy who got it. You know, they, they remind you. They remind you, okay, the rules haven't changed of how you're supposed to act between home and here. This is just a gentle reminder. And um, I grew up getting swatted. Now, I didn't get swatted much. I was, I was a good kid, yeah, right? But uh, I, I was, you know, I didn't get swatted too much, but I got that reminder. Okay, if, if you go crazy in here, you're going to get swatted. You're going to get in trouble. But, like, if we go to Toys R Us or something, there was also re a reward that was set forth. Okay, if you listen, then maybe you could pick one thing out, and, and we'll buy it for you. Um, that's exactly what Moses is doing to the nation of Israel. Before they go into Deuteronomy, this is, this is a lecture. The whole book of Deuteronomy is a lecture before they, they go into the promised land. This is Moses on, on, the, on, on the banks of, or on the, on the other side of the, uh, the Jordan River. He's standing there and he's reminding them before they go in. Listen, this generation, he, he tells them, you've grown up, you've wandered through the wilderness. You've seen your parents die off. You've seen your grandparents die off because of their disobedience to the law of God. And he says, now before you go into the promised land, let me remind you again of what it says. Let me remind you again of the importance of holding to what God has revealed about himself. And so this is, this is the reminder. This is the lecture from Moses ultimately from God through Moses to the people of Israel. And he's preparing them to go into the promised land. And so this morning what I want to look at in this passage of Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 to 24 
is just two of the preparations that he gives them that pretty much envelop everything that he said. But he gives two preparations before they enter into the promised land. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Read along with me. <clears throat> now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments <clears throat> which I am teaching you to perform so that it may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord your God, of the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as the whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and do not depart from your heart all the days of your life but make them known to your sons and to your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, that they may teach their children. He came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. And the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments. That you might perform them in the land where you were going over to possess it. Let me pray before I go any further. Father. Lord, help me this morning. I, as always, God, desperately need your help. Lord, I am Father, uh, a man who Lord, needs this message just as much as every person in here, Lord. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Father, help me to apply these words to my life. And help me to be clear in applying these words to the hearts of the people in this room. Father, that you might be glorified and that you might be honored. Pray these things for the glory of your Son, Christ. Amen. Looking at that section there, as I said, there are two preparations that Moses gives. The first preparation right there that he gives is he tells the people of Israel, he says, you need to be careful to obey the word of God. The first preparation he tells him, you need to be careful to obey the word of God. Now, now let me give a little aside here, because it's very important for us to realize as the church, this is Moses, and who is he speaking to? 
Israel, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Now, I, I know there may be varied things, but generally speaking, everybody in either camp would say this. Are we Israel? Are we Israel? We're not Israel. Okay? We, we are not Israel. This is, this is given to the, the, the people of Israel. And what he's talking about, the commandments specifically, are the Mosaic Covenant, which were given to the people of Israel. And they were given with promises, and they were given with threats as well. And, and what the Lord did before they went in, and as a people, he gave them this covenant to keep. And he said, in order for there to be blessing, you must obey this covenant. If you don't obey this covenant, there will be consequences. Now, now, let me say this. I think it's very important that we understand the distinction between Israel, but we also understand that we are the people of God. We are the people of God. And God's word is true. All scripture is God-breathed. And so whether the message is to a specific people, namely Israel, or to the church, we need to be careful and we need to be diligent to pull from the truths that are within Scripture that apply to all people of God, whether it be Israel or the church. And so that's exactly what I want to do this morning is, as Moses prepares the people to enter, I want to make these applications to us today. Though we may not be Israel on, the, on uh, getting ready to go over to Jordan, these truths apply to us today. And the first preparation, again, that he says is, he says, be careful to obey the word of God. Look at verse 1 and 2. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments, which I am teaching you to perform. He uses, he uses two words there in the Hebrew, Hakim and Mishpat, which the statutes and the judgments, those two are the sum total of the law. This is what God has revealed to Israel so that they can be the distinct people that they're to be in the land and they're to follow these commandments. And he said, these, these statutes and judgments which I'm teaching you today to perform so that they may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord your God of your fathers is giving to you. Look at verse 2. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you nor take away from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you. Moses says, be careful to obey the word without alteration. He says, be careful to obey the word without alteration. Beloved, I don't have the right, and you don't have the right, to pick and choose which commandments you're comfortable with in the scriptures. Do you get that? There are some things that the, the Lord commands us to do that don't make our life easy. There, there are some things that the Lord commands us to do that, that demand a great amount of patience. The Lord, when he tells us to abstain from certain things, and the entire world is going out and doing that. And we're thinking, what am I missing out on? Well, guess what? We can't just throw those commandments out. We can't just say, I don't like this one. And I like this one, but, you know, that one doesn't really, uh, I don't know. You could go through a list of teachings in the Word of God. We're to be careful to obey the Word of God without alteration. Verses 3, look at verse 3, the eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor for all men who followed Baal Peor 
the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Here God, through Moses, reminds them of the consequences of not obeying the word of God the way he wants it obeyed. God made it clear to the people of Israel not to mix with the pagan cultures that were there. And, and this sin of Baal Peor, it talks about when, when the people of Israel, when they were in, in Shittim, they went and they, and they joined themselves to pagan women. And God brought judgment upon them because of that. They thought, well, well maybe, maybe this commandment really doesn't apply to us. And there were consequences. So the Lord wants us to obey, to be careful to obey the word of God without alteration. Look at verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Moses tells the nation of Israel, be careful to obey the word of God without alteration. And he says, be careful to obey the word of God before unbelieving people. You see that there in verses 5 through 8? He says, obey the word of God before these unbelieving people. Now how does that, how does that apply to us today? What did Christ say in Matthew 5.16? He said, let your light shine before men in such a way... That what? You guys can talk back. That what? That they may see your good works and glorify God. Glorify the Father who is in heaven. Listen, we as the people of God are called to be careful to obey the word of God before unbelieving people. That is, that is a witness to unbelieving people. People see you and you're different. You ought to be different. How many of you in here, uh, just by word of the testimony this morning, the young lady who gave testimony this morning talked about how, how she was drawn to this particular fellowship on campus because she had seen friends who were growing in their faith. How many of you have been drawn either originally to Christ or back to Christ after walking away from him, whatever the circumstances, because you saw other people? living out their faith. Anybody? That's me. My neighbor across the street. He would go somewhere every Wednesday night. Where are you going? I'm going to a Bible study. What do you want to do that for? Well, it's good. Started going. About two, three years later is when I finally came to faith, but, but that originally thing, seeing, seeing something different in his life, Moses tells us, be careful to obey the word of God without alteration before unbelievers as a mean of testimony. And look at verse 9. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons 
Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Oreb. When the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my word so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. We must be, okay, we must be careful not only to obey the word of God as, as a testimony to unbelievers, but also as an example to our families. Look there, both in verse 9 and 10. Moses says, these things that you learned are to be given to who and taught to who? Who does he say there? The end of verse 9 and the end of verse 10. To your sons and your grandsons. And in verse 10, that you may teach your children. Now, you all are, well, I'm, I don't know how old you all are, but I know we're all young in here. I hope I still consider myself young. But, uh, but you guys, guys, I'm talking to you right now, okay? Men, you guys are called to be shepherds within your homes. Do you understand that? Men, you are called to shepherd your children. Likewise, wives are called to shepherd their children. Bring them up in the word of God. You're, you're called, you, you're given the responsibility of raising your children the way the Lord wants them raised. Can I encourage you right now, even though some of you, you may think, okay, I'm, I'm just engaged, or I'm just starting to, to spend time with this particular person. You know, children are years down the line. It was great to hear Rex talk about that this morning, talking about how he's just gotten engaged, and how he's even now, he's just so looking forward to, to growing and, and becoming a godly man within his home. Guys, you are called to shepherd your children. I work as a youth pastor. And I cannot tell you how difficult it is for me sometimes to hear students come back to me and say, Mike, I wish my dad actually shepherded us. I, I wish my mom set a godly example in our home. I wish we had godly standards for our homes. And, and they lack that. And, and, and because I teach that, I'm even trying to train them up now to realize the responsibility that they're one day going to have. Likewise, Moses reminds them they need to obey the word as an example to their children, as an example to their families. You must live out the word before your families before your children when God so blesses you. And why is this all important? Why does he tell them? Why is this first preparation of obeying the word so important? Why is it so significant? Look at verse 10. Again, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on earth and that they may teach their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might perform them in the land where you were going over to possess it. 
Why is it so significant that we're to obey God's word without alteration as a testimony before unbelievers and as an example to our children? Why is it so important? Who gave us this word? Who gave us this word? God. Who, who gave the commandments to Moses and to the people of Israel? Who? It was God. Beloved, this, this is God's word. Do, do you get that? This is God's word. This isn't my opinion. This isn't, this isn't just a group of guys who got together and say, hey, let's, let's write a big long book. This is God revealing himself on the pages of scripture. We're to, we're to obey God's word because we need to remember who it came from. This is God's word. There are some people in the world today that are, that are going out and they're, they're searching for some type of experience. They're searching for some word from God. They, 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 they want some kind of personal interaction to where they hear a voice or they get an inclination. Beloved, God has chosen to reveal himself in creation that all people are held accountable. And how else? In the word of God. Beloved, we can't, we can't mess with this. We can't pick and choose what we like. We must live it out because God gave it. And look at, look at how he gave the Ten Commandments to the, to the nation of Israel. Use your, use your sanctified imagination right now, okay? Just use your sanctified imagination. Sometimes, sometimes we read this, we read the Word, and we don't realize... Sometimes we forget. It, it seems so distant. It seems like a story sometimes. But imagine yourself there. Imagine yourself being, being an Israelite. Having seen the Red Sea split. Having walked through that. And then having it seen it crash down upon, upon the armies of Egypt. And then standing at the, at the base of this mountain. There's one thing I, I think that's unfortunate about living in Southern California. We, we don't get very many thunderstorms around here. I spent a summer running a camp down in Florida. And if any, anybody ever been to Florida? Anybody? Okay. You know Florida, you get about the two, three o'clock thunderstorms, right? In the summertime, almost like clockwork, almost every day. Somewhere around 1 o'clock, the clouds start coming in. It'll be clear during the day. 1 o'clock, the clouds start coming in. It gets dark. 2 o'clock, it starts raining a little. 3, for about an hour, you get good thunderstorms. And I remember sitting out there one day in the front of my cabin. And um, I like Rich Mullins. I don't know if any of you like Rich Mullins, just his music, just the, the picturesque talking about God in all his glory. And I would sit there and I'd put my headphones on and listen to it and sit on the porch and just watch the lightning strikes. And, and I'd be listening to the music, but I'd feel the thunder. I'd feel it. Now that's, that's an, a, 
That's a minute display of God's power. Minute. Now put yourself at the foot of Mount Sinai. You look up at this mountain. It's enveloped in dark clouds. There, there is some type of fire going on up there and lightning and thundering. And you hear the voice of God. And in the Hebrew, he, he, he says it's, it's the coal or the sound of God. Whether it was an audible voice that they heard or not is, is disputable. But they heard some sound. So much, so much that they heard it that they asked Moses after a while. They said, can you tell God not to talk anymore? It, it's so amazing. We, we just want you to go up. And listen to God and you to come down and tell us what he said. It, it's just, it's too big. Guys, this is who gave us the word. This is who revealed the word. Ultimately in the New Testament, we would have the word revealed in flesh. Christ revealed. The, the, the perfect representation of God. God himself in the flesh. He's who, who's old, the ultimate revelation. Let me jump back to something I just missed. Look at verse 9. I just want to point out something that, that Moses here emphasizes. Look at the first couple words there. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. So that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen. They do not depart from your heart. Moses here, he, he uses... A Hebrew construction here. He says, only give heed to yourself. It's a Hebrew word, shamar. And then he goes on, and keep your soul. And he uses it again, shamar. That's the same word there translated if you're, if you're using the New American Standard. He, he translates it, give heed, which is the word, and then keep. It's the same word. And those of you who have done any, any kind of work, I'm sure, I'm sure Rex and, and James have pointed it out, when, when a biblical author repeats words, it's a form of emphasis. He's saying, guard your hearts. He's saying, keep your soul. And then he even emphasizes it even further by saying diligently, the Hebrew word ma'od, which is greatly. Do, do you get what Moses is saying here about the importance of, of, of obeying God's word? He says, give heed to yourself. Watch yourself. The word shamar here is the, the word used in Genesis 30, 31. And it's in reference to, uh, <clears throat> to uh, uh, Jacob. When, when he wanted to take for himself the wife, uh, Rachel. And remember he had to watch Laban's flocks for seven years. And he didn't get Rachel, he got Leah. So he had to watch him for another seven years. And so he goes to Laban and says, I will guard your flock. I will watch your flock. And that's the same word. I will shepherd your flock. And that's what Moses here is saying that we're to do with our souls in regard to keeping his word. We're to guard it. We're to keep it. We're to shepherd it. We're to do everything we can to make sure that our lives are bent on obeying the word of God. That's the first preparation. He says, obey be careful to obey the word of God without alteration before unbelieving people and as an example to your family because God gave it, because it's God's word. Look at verse 15. Again, the same word, shamar. So watch yourselves carefully 
since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Oreb from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth. And beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, and be drawn away and worship them and serve them, those which the Lord your God has allotted to all peoples under the heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. And the Lord was angry with me on account, on your account, and swore that I would never cross the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. For I will die in this land. I shall not cross the Jordan, but you shall cross and take possession of this good land. So watch yourselves, that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. First preparation Moses gives is be careful to obey the word of God. The second preparation he gives for the nation of Israel before they go in and by application us as well. He says, be careful to worship the God of the word. Be careful to worship the God of the word. When I say worship him, I mean worship him as he is. As he's revealed in the scriptures. Not as we want him to be. Not as we want him to be. How many of you in witnessing and talking to other people, you may have said this, I hope you don't say this, but you may have said this. How many of you in witnessing have heard people who, who their theology just isn't, isn't quite cranked, um, or even believers whose theology isn't crank, quite cranked, or, or unbelievers who have some concept of God that is other than what the Bible reveals? Anybody? Right? Right. We, I mean, we've all faced it. And, and here's one little statement. That, there's two statements that I, I, I really just... Uh, <clears throat> they just get me when I hear believers say them. One of them is, you know, what does this mean to you? You know, I, I don't care what it means to you. I, there may be application to you. I want to know what it means. Then we can make application, okay? But the other one that really gets me is this statement. Well, you know... My God would never do that. I, I get that every time, just about every time I talk with somebody about the, the doctrine of hell. Well, you know, my God, my God would never do that. My, my God wouldn't, my God isn't that way. Anybody have that? Anybody hear that? Beloved, I don't care who your God is. If he isn't the God of the Bible. We're, we're talking about truth. We, we live in a culture today that says, well, you know, what's, that, that's okay for you. You could believe that. But, you know, my God wouldn't do that. L let me suggest something. I just brought something with you. Uh, I brought something with me. 
didn't bring it with you. Um, brought something. Uh, this just came out this week. Actually, it's been out for two weeks, but I just got it this week. And I don't know if you have seen this. It's it's a little book. I usually don't like kind of you know advertising stuff, but. Can I suggest get a hold of this? It's by Dr. MacArthur, John MacArthur, and it's called Why One Way? Defending an Exclusive Claim in an Inclusive World. And he just goes through five points, basically talking about that, saying, listen, this is truth. This is truth. We need to be careful to worship the God of the Word, not some God that we make up in our own mind. Beloved, I will be the first to admit, even though those doctrines I, I've come to cherish and come to rest in to an extent, but there are some things that make me, as a Christian, very uncomfortable. If you can, if you can think on, or talk about, or meditate on the reality of hell, and not be uncomfortable, there's something wrong. Because it is real, and it's terrible, and people, real people, people that we love, who die without Christ are going there. Beloved, that, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about loved ones that have died within the last two years in my family that I know died without Christ. But you know what? I can't say, well, my God would never do that. I am called to worship God as he's revealed in the Bible. Look at verse 15. So watch yourselves carefully, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Now what is he talking about? He's talking, he's going back to Mount Sinai. Open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. We, we, we know this account, right? We, we, we learned it in Sunday school. We've learned it, the, the golden calf, right? You all heard of the golden calf? Israel, they're at the bottom. It says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. I think there's something very significant for us to realize about this passage. Who were Israel and Aaron seeking to worship as they made the golden calf? Who were they seeking to worship? Okay, can I make a suggestion? And, and I'll, I'll back it up in just a second. I really believe they were seeking to worship Yahweh, the God, the God, the only true God. 
Let me show you why. Look at look at verse or chapter 32 again. And look at verse 1. About middle of the verse. Where Israel calls out to Aaron and he says, Come, make us a God. Now if you have little side notes there, it may say uh, alternate translation is God's. The reason they do that is because it's the Hebrew word, and this may sound familiar to some of you, the Hebrew word Elohim. Now that word Elohim is the, the, the Hebrew word, which is in the plural, which can be translated God's. The I-M at the end, the Im, is, is a Hebrew suffix, which, which basically makes it plural. It's kind of like adding an S or an E-S to our words, right? We say this is a book, and if I were to put an S at the end, I would say it's plural, it's books. Well, the, the word Elohim is a plural word. And, and it literally means gods, or can be translated as, as gods, but that's determined on the context. Because guess what? Back in Genesis chapter 1, God, the word there, God, is Elohim. They were asking Aaron, make us God. Not a God. They were saying, we... We can't get our minds around this God who is up there on the mountain. There, there's just, we, we need something that we're comfortable with. We need God to be the kind of God that, that we can understand. The kind of gods we had back in Egypt. Remember, we had all those different kind of gods, Hotep and, and Ra and the sun gods. And, and, you know, they may have dabbled in that kind of worship. And they saw that around them. They wanted some physical manifestation. Let me give you a little further proof for why I think that they were talking about the God. After Aaron made this God, verse 4, he took it from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel. And look at that who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Aaron here fashions this God that they wanted and says, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. Further proof, look at the next verse, verse 5. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to who? The Lord. Now I, I don't know if, if, if Pastor Shin, I'm sure he has pointed this out before, but do you ever notice in the Old Testament how sometimes the word Lord is in all capitals? Look at that. Do you notice that in verse 5 at the end? It's in all capitals, right? Do you know why that is? Anybody? What? It's Yahweh. Every time you see the word Lord in all caps, it's translating the word Yahweh. The covenant God of Israel. And Aaron here is saying, verse 5, Now Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, this golden calf, and he made a proclamation saying, Tomorrow shall be a feast to Yahweh. In Aaron's mind, in the minds of the people of Israel, this golden calf was a representation of Yahweh. But why was it so wicked? Why was it that this incurred the wrath of God? Because people, we are called, and this is what Moses is reminding the nation of Israel, we are to be careful to worship the God of the Word as He's revealed in the Word. They wanted a God that was comfortable to them. Beloved, we do that today. 
We do that today when, when there's a difficult Bible doctrine and it just doesn't make us comfortable. There are a lot of people today, well, you know, you know, it just doesn't seem right that God elects from the foundations of earth. It just, you know, I don't know. Listen, we have to wrestle with what God has revealed about himself. And, and, and how, who is God? Is God some molten calf? No. We know John 4, 4, God is spirit. God is spirit. Let me just read something from you. I, I, I like reading old dead guys. Um, you know, I wanted to jump up and shout woohoo when, when I heard, um, what was the young lady's name who gave the testimony? Susan. And when she said that she liked Piper, I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a good church if anybody here likes Piper. Okay, anyways, well, he, he turned me on to some other dead guys, which I think are even better than Piper. He's just, he's basically, he's saying what other people have said before, and which I really appreciate. He does it in a way that is, is, is a little easier for us to grasp. But he kind of turned me on to a, a very old dead guy named Augustine. And in, in Augustine's understanding of God, he had it right. Let me just read you something that he wrote from his, his confessions. He says this, he says, What then are you, O my God? What but the Lord God? For who is the Lord but the Lord? Or who is God but our God? O most high, most good, most powerful, almighty, most merciful and most just, most hidden and ever-present, most beautiful and most strong, stable and incomprehensible, unchangeable and changing all things, never new, never old, renewing all things, bringing age upon the proud and they know it not, always in action and always at rest, gathering and never wanting, Supporting, filling, and overshadowing all things. Creating, nourishing, and perfecting. Seeking, and yet lacking nothing. You love, yet are not inflamed with passion. You are jealous without concern. You repent without grief. You are angry, yet always calm. You change your works, yet never your design. You recover and find what you never lost. You were never needy, and yet are pleased with gain. You are never covetous and yet exact interest. Men pay you more than they owe as if to obligate you, and yet who has anything that is not yours? You pay debts and are a debtor to no one. You forgive debts and lose nothing. And what is all this that we have said? Oh my God, my life, my holy joy. What can anyone say when he is speaking to you? And woe to those who say nothing of you, since even the most eloquent seem to be mute. Beloved, we must be careful to worship the God of the Word as He's revealed in Scripture. Not with how, not with how we're comfortable with Him. We need to conform our minds to the mind of God as, he, as He's revealed it. And so we see first, uh, 15 through 19, that, uh, we see that He's spirit. He's not, some, he's not some idol to be made or fashioned after. We're not to worship him in the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, verse 17. The likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky. Nothing that creeps on the ground. The likeness of any fish that is in the water below. We're not to lift up our eyes to heaven. 
We're not to look up and look at creation and say, oh, that's God. It's a reflection of his beauty. It's a reflection of his creative power. But it's not God. We're not to worship the creation, but the creator. So we see that he's spirit. He teaches us that he's powerful. Look at verse 20. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. He's powerful. God brought Israel out of Egypt. He crushed Pharaoh. That's power. That is power. He conquered my hard heart. He changed my life. We need to remember that he's a just and a disciplining father. This is who God is. Verse 21, look at Now the Lord was angry with me on your account and swore that I would never cross the Jordan, that I would not enter the good land. Verse 22, for I will die in this land, Moses says. I will not cross the Jordan. There's consequences for sin. Beloved, we need to keep in balance the, the wonderful, amazing truth that we are forgiven. I'm going to talk about that a little later on, that we are forgiven. But we need to remember that God is our Father, and He continues, because He loves us, to discipline us. There are some people today who just say, well, I'm forgiven, so I can go out and do anything I want. No, He's still a just and disciplining Father. Hebrews 12, 4 through 7 makes that clear as well. God is a disciplining Father. Not only that, but He's a forgiving Father. Again, look at verse 21. Moses says, I'm going to face the consequences for, for, the, for you know, what Israel did in their unfaithfulness there at Kadesh Barnea, not trusting God to go into the promised land. He says, but you, this new generation, the end of verse 21, the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and at the end of verse 22, but you shall cross and take possession of this good land. Do, do you realize that, that at Kadesh Barnea, Right? When, when, do you remember the story of the 12 spies that went in? And they were supposed to, to go in and, and, and they said, well, let us, let us first send some spies in just to go check it out. And God said, okay, I'll allow you to do that. They went in, 10 of them come back saying, uh-uh. You know, there are people that are big, okay? We're, we're going to get squashed. And there's two that are saying, no, God, God's with us. And God's wrath was incurred. And God said to Moses... If you look up in, in Numbers, I believe it's number 15. God said to Moses, that's it. I'm going to wipe out this whole people, and I'm going to start again with you. Do you remember that? Now, now as a pastor, you know, Moses, if, sometimes uh, as a pastor, it could get frustrating. Um, and if, if the Lord were to say, I'm just going to wipe out all the people, and we're going to start with you all over again, you're like, yeah, that's kind of a good idea. You know, you wouldn't have to, oh, man, go through all those trials again. But, you know, Moses, Moses said, God, God, show grace. I know you're a graceful God. And God, God showed grace. But there were consequences for those who were disobeyed. And yet he showed his grace to this new generation. He said, you will go in and possess the land. God's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. Not only that, look at verse 23, 24. So watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you. Make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. We must be careful to worship the God of the word because he's spirit. 
That's, that's who he is. We're not to make idols because he's powerful. We're, we're not to forget his power and everything he could do. We're to remember that he's a just and a disciplining father. We're to remember that he is gracious and forgiving. But we're also to remember that he's a jealous God. Now we hear that sometimes. I, I, went, I encourage you guys. I hope you guys go on that Czech trip this summer. Um, I went to Czech Republic last summer. And God willing, I'll be going back again this summer. Um, and, and they need the Lord there. I tell you, the atheism, the, the last telephone poll that they did, 70% of the people there in the Czech Republic consider themselves atheists. 70%. Now, the benefit of that is they're honest. They're so honest. You, you walk around on campus day and talk to people um, about God, and, and you know, you'll have a good percentage of say, oh yeah, I'm Christian, and yet their life demonstrates otherwise. Over there, at least, they admit, oh, no, I don't believe in God. And so, you know, you know what you're working with, but I remember talking to one, one girl and talking about how God is a jealous God, and she said, well, <laughs> well, my God isn't a jealous God. And, oh, I just, ah. I, and I opened up to this, this passage here, and I said, but what does this mean? For the Lord is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And she just did backflips, you know, with her reasoning to try to say that he wasn't a jealous God. It was amazing what unbelievers will do to, to try to justify their beliefs. But he's a jealous God. And let's rightly understand this. This could also be translated zealous. It's, it, we think of human jealousy as something bad. How many of you are married in here? Raise your hand. Okay? How many of you are engaged? Raise your hand. Okay? One, okay, one couple. How many of you hope to get engaged one day? Raise your hand. Oh, I'm, I'm like this. <laughs> I, woo! One day, one day. Okay? God willing. Um, listen. Whether you're married now or not, think, think about your spouse that you have or, you know, just a blank face imaginary spouse that you're one day, God, God willing, going to have. Is it right for you to want to protect that person? Is it? Is, is it right for, for a husband or a wife to be concerned when their spouse is building a, a pretty intimate friendship with somebody else? Is it right for them to be concerned? Is it? I hope so. I, I, I hope you would say, you know, I, I need to guard you and you need to guard me because I'm yours and you're mine. Beloved, this is who God is to us. God is a jealous God in the sense that he so loves us. That he says, hands off. There is nothing else that should that should compete for your affection towards me. God said there's, there's nobody else that you ought to love that you don't love for my sake. God says, you are mine. And he is a jealous God. We're his. He has every right to be. It is right and proper for God to say to us that when it comes to our heart, Every other thing in this world is hands off. Our hearts belong to who? To God. He's a jealous God, a consuming fire. All of this can be summed up in what Moses said in that verse 23. He says, watch yourself that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. He says, be careful to obey the word of God. 
And then he says, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against God, which the Lord your God commanded you. He says, be careful to worship the God of the word as he's revealed in scripture. Listen, this is God's word. We need to obey it. We need to worship God as he's revealed himself in here. Not our own theology, not our own thoughts, but God as he's revealed himself my newest favorite old dead guy, a guy named Octavius Winslow. If you get a chance to find his stuff, some of it's hard to find. Uh, there's a great book called The Sympathy of Christ, which is out of print right now, and you have to track it down, but Soli Deo Gloria publishes some of his other things. But he wrote this. He says, How completely this declaration sweeps away all the fancied reverence and admiration for God, which floats before the imagination of the carnal mind in its profound slumber. The carnal mind may own its belief in the existence of a God, but what God? Plainly not the God of the Bible, but a deity of its imagination. The God of whom he has thus been dreaming is not the God of Scripture, but the God of his own creation. To worship and obey God as he's revealed in the Word. That's where to be. You want to be prepared? Are, are you going into life? Are you going into some venture? Are you going into marriage? Be careful as you do this to obey God's word and to worship him as he's revealed in scripture. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is clear, that your commands are crystal clear to us, Lord. So often we stumble over them because they are so clear. We just don't want to obey him. We want to pick and choose. But God, you've, you've called us to obey your word. Lord, sometimes who you are and the things that you do are uncomfortable for us and, and we want to redefine you. We want to recreate some, some other God that makes us more comfortable. But God, you've revealed yourself in the word and we are bound to worship you as you've revealed yourself. Lord, make us a people who are passionate to be obedient to your word and a people who are passionate to worship you as you're revealed in scripture. Father, for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. Pray these things in the name of your glorious son, Christ. Amen.